Today's show is sponsored by Brooklinen. Get $20 off and free shipping by using promo code BADCHRISTIAN at brooklinen.com. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Three, two, seven. He's my Lord and Savior. Oh, yes, he's I asked Lord. him in my heart. He's our friend. He's our friend. And bad I'm going Christian to we heaven. Are. Heaven. Bad Christian. To get a brand one. new start. Hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. Did any of y'all's grandparents say hallelujah? My grandma did. She added an R at the end. Every no. Sunday she's still in the front. Yes. Yeah, that's a weird quirk in the southern dialect. I, don't, I never ever understood where that Hallelujah. These intros are becoming... These intros are becoming harder and harder because Toby, when when you start doing something, I can't hear you at all. I just so don't even want to listen to you talk right now. <laughs> I just don't. Just <laughs> I don't. just think I just think I'm a little rude because I'm not. I can't hear you. Well, you that's know. all right. I am just, forced you know. to hear Joey and Matt talk every week. I'm forced to. I created a job. I help create. I'll even give y'all credit for it too. I created a job though that I am forced to listen to y'all's thoughts and ideas. Mm-hmm. Every week. And I just want to say, Priscilla and Bridget, I feel so bad for you. <laughs> like you you, <laughs> you brought point. it on yourself. You married. They're way worse. They married you. Uh, they let you lay on top of them, touch them, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. Thank God I don't have to do anything like that. Like you guys, I mean, having Ooh, to just hear you point. talk each week is enough. I, I mean, can't I imagine can't, more. I can't than that. fully respect They're Priscilla saints. based on her choice of husband, honestly. Like I, I can never fully respect her. Yeah, I, I know. I, like I when I found out she really when I found out she loved you, I was like, oh, I, you know, Joe, you might not. You might <laughs> better not. <laughs> yeah, I, that's I. I did get in with Bridget, and I'll be on to something like talking about something, or I would say probably I'm making a point out of something, uh-huh. or or thinking through something out loud, and she just she said, I don't, I don't want to do this. Don't. I don't want to hear this. You know, and I'm like, I get so mad. Like, what are you talking? I'm you're the person I'm supposed to talk. You know, but. I do understand her point of view. <laughs> I think I get it. You get whatever this is from me. It's pretty similar, and it's ten thirty at night, and it's I'm still on it, and I'm still doing it, and that's not what is probably the best. For, you, you know what I thought about? I, like I it seemed that. like in olden times, the men would go down to the pub. Like I'm reading a book now about that <laughs> a little bit, and it, it, it's it maybe even now it's given like a little bit of a negative context when like a man or a woman does, doesn't come home after work. Like I feel bad. Like if I don't. If I'm not there for my kids a lot mm-hmm. when they're home from school and stuff like that, I get a little bit of a, a negative thought in my brain. But there is something to be said for being apart and hanging out with different people so that you're you can express those ideas and you know not just un- vomit it all on your spouse. Like well, that's a that is a lot. You're gonna get me down on some tangent here, but I I'm not so sure that the way we live is it makes a lick of sense as far as everybody having their own house and living in their own little kingdom where it takes so much to manage and you only talk to each yeah. other. You know how hard it is to do a social engagement. And you finally get out with another couple and you're like, ah, oh, right. this is good to talk or whatever. But it takes so much energy and momentum to get to that. That yeah. can't be the right design for humans. It can't be. Where we all have to have so much stuff and so much how things, and we live in our own yeah. kingdom where each, it just doesn't, there's just, I'm not advocating for some wild communal thing, but that, something isn't right about that formula, the American dream right, so, thing. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Something isn't so right I'm, there. I'm, I'm with you to a certain degree, but let's incorporate this thought. 
Do you know how hard it is to make things work with one person? Like, so, sure. I don't I, think that's I, what Matt's saying, though. But maybe no, I'm no, wrong. no. But, well, well, basically, he's he's saying that it would really be cool. Like, it's fun hanging out with another couple, and but there's so much effort and getting with that person and all that stuff. And all I'm saying is communal living definitely makes sense practically. But what I'm well, saying is I don't think working through a household with two other adults is as easy as maybe that, it sounds. Okay, but see, you very missed the point, and this is how people miss all points, and I'll, I'll point out how. That's a lot of saying the word point. What I'm saying is not, and in fact, I said the words, I'm not saying communal living. But you now yeah. you're saying, I can give you a reason why communal living isn't good, which I already declared is not my point anyway. So let's return to my point, which is simply that Something's not right about the way we have it designed now. Okay, go go ahead. Go right, now. now you, let me now chime respond in. To yeah. that. What I think is, I believe that there is uh, even evolutionary evidence of not, maybe not the nuclear family, but a family uh, format or form, system or whatever. But uh, what I would say is, I do think, like based on a lot of fear and uh, non-essentials that I think are essential, it does keep me from hanging out with people more. And in a more uh, community way, not communal. Maybe communal is still the right. word, but I, I don't want to be in a commune or anything like that. I, I'm not. I don't want uh, share myself or Jess have her share herself with other people in certain ways. But I do like the idea of everybody knows your kids. You're a little bit more free, and it's not as nerve wracking and scary. But I mean, I know bad stuff can happen anyway. But I, I do like the idea of the reason why it is fun when you finally get out and hang out with people is. Because there's something to that. Right. Well, the the word I'm thinking here is camaraderie. So when you said go to the pub in the afternoon, I'm not thinking get drunk. I like beer. I'm thinking sit with other people and that have parallel things that we talk about that are similar and that's healthy. And I'm going to say that it's the right thing to do, but not go to the bar instead of go home. That sounds bad. That's what I'm saying. That must be something in conflict because think about it like, shouldn't we be standing around at McDonald's in the morning or leaning against the cooler at of the gas station oh, God, talking in the so afternoon funny. or something? That is something we're is good to do. That's not just something. That's not just happens to be entertainment when people are bored and there's nothing on TV. Right. That is a good thing for people. Uh, and then we know this a little bit more from being on tour, but the dadgum camaraderie component of hanging out with people and being deeply engaged over time that's more than one person that's your one spouse is a good thing that is an amazing thing and military and all of history has all of these things built into it where it's it doesn't matter if it's soldiers or warriors or podcasters or rock bands or fishermen it's that that's a if you if you don't have that in your job and your daily life something's missing and part of your you know, American dream empire where you stay closed up in your own subdivision and then once a month get out to do family stuff with other families, something's wrong with that. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, so basically what we want to let you guys know is you need to find the local church in your area and plug into a small group. Well, church like makes a lot of hay on their, of that. You're click, right. Click on their website. They're probably going to have a little link to small groups. Find a and small group that you think fits, and don't give up on it. Community takes time. Listen, I community. would tell you that community group has been one of the best things I've had when it was good. I totally agree. But also, totally agree. also, mostly that's not true either. Unfortunately, right. most churches make very much out of that, and they appeal to that thing everybody knows that I'm saying that's true, that is community is important, it's necessary, whatever. But the faux versions of that to some other end that are surface level only 
are, again, bad substitutes for a good yeah. thing. And it's yeah, not if fair. You, you're wasting your time if you're not doing a deep, comfortable thing where you can really fucking talk like you can on tour or with your friends or when you go camping or when you're in battle or whatever. You got to get If that. you take an average small, like let's just take all the small groups, community groups, life groups, G groups, MK groups, red groups, whatever your church calls them. If you, if you take of all of them and then you come up with the average when it comes to quality... So the 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 average quality as far as good or bad, I guarantee you, you're better off by just having dinner, cookouts, and hangouts with the same group of people every week and just talk and get to know each other. I, I can almost guarantee you, you are better off. You're saying most community groups would improve in quality if they would drop the, the spiritual component. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because that, that, yes. yes. And the reason why is because that, there but, is, there's a fake pressure there right. that should, you shouldn't have to experience. And they do, of and, course, and the spiritual If church was doing anyway. the right, uh, yeah. how about this? If church was doing it right, you wouldn't need to have small groups. They would form naturally. They would be right. called friendships, and that's why you go that's to the right. bar. When you right. go to the bar... And you meet somebody, either you like them or you don't, and then eventually either you hang out with them or you don't hang out with them ever again. You get to make those decisions. Or In swipe groups, left and then have small, sex with them. Or right. Oh, I don't know man, which way you swipe. But either technology, way. Technology. Technology. <laughs> but, but man, I, I, I don't but know But this... there is no... But when you say a small group and just get together, it's still a setup. It, it, it's like a... Uh, your parents setting you up with their, their friend's daughter. It's a play and you date. go on a date. I mean, it's, 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 there's still some kind of setup thing. There isn't... It, when I was a small group leader, I did always feel like, wait a minute, I'm sending these people to hang out with each other, and I'm hoping they like each other. But the overall idea of the small group was draw closer to God. Not hopefully each other. I think that was there, but it was learn about God in a smaller context than, than Sunday morning. But it's still kind of like Sunday morning. So I think that does, I think you're exactly right, Joy. I think if you just said, hey, let's just eat dinner. If something, if conversation leads us to Jesus, the Holy Spirit led us there, and that'd be a miracle and wonderful. But why do you have to start with we have to That's talk funny. about this stuff? Yeah, and Matt, I don't know if this was a, a slip of the tongue or not, but I actually think that what what was just described is super spiritual. Like I think that sure, is the sure. problem. I was is, making a joke, but yeah, yeah, is I mean we we don't we overlook the fact that hanging out with friends that you like is one of the most important. Um, practices of the Christian faith, uh, the human uh, of being a human, honestly. But yeah, why, why would you say? But well, why is that? Period. Why is that considered spiritual? Like hanging out in front of a gas station talking actually might be. A lot of people think that's oh, you're wasting your time, you're being lazy, you're not doing anything. Maybe do. that's not spiritual. Maybe it's practical. Maybe that's yeah, the whole I, conversation. I, I'm we're saying having it's right obviously here. at least practical, and you're just kind of wired for it. And if you're missing out, it's like missing out on. So, uh, what is it like? It reminds me of something else. It's like missing out on sleep or some other thing where you overlook it. It's like, wait a minute, this is supposed to be in my life and I didn't know it. No, it's like, you know, right. just some symptom of, um, you know, a modern culture that randomly got the way that it is and there's something missing there. And that's why shit like podcast works or the BC Club is good or people go, do their Comic Con. That's all it is. You're just trying to, or right. church. I mean, this is what you're trying to do, but the shallow replacements for these things don't work. And that's all I was trying to communicate a while back when I was talking about recycling. You know what you should care about? The environment. You know what you do care about? Patting yourself on the back about your recycling. So you're missing it. You're missing the big picture because you're focused on a little fake replacement thing that's supposed to make you feel better. It doesn't work. You really it, need so, to like really the, hang out with people, not pretend to. Last you need night, to have spiritual Zach, development. Zach Reiner, was, Zach Reiner was in town from... Uh, the band sent by Ravens. He used to tour manage us too. And he shows up in Nashville. He's at this event and uh, this conference. And uh, we hung out. 
And as soon as I saw him, it was like, oh yeah, we're friends. Mm -hmm. And everything was so natural. And I felt so good about that. Like it wasn't like, oh, we uh, were in this group together and now I have to go hang out with this guy or whatever. Because we did something together, whether it be work or hang out, uh, you know, at, on an off day or whatever it might be, there was a real friendship that was caused through something and by something as opposed to, uh, I, you have to do this because God wants you to do it. That overcasting umbrella of stuff, I think, is a detriment. I, I'm, I'm saying I'm in complete agreement with you, Joe. I wish all small groups would start with, we don't, we're never going to talk about God, and then you ultimately will totally. That will totally get there because that's regular conversation. Yeah. Or the Spirit will lead you there. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Wow. Yeah. Praise God in the silence. We had a thing going here to see if anybody would balk if we have dead air. And I think it's not so bad, given as much as we talk over each other, which is worse. We'll try a little dead air. Let's give it another chance here. Well, I think dead air on podcast is not a good idea. Well, let's try it. Toby, I like what you said there. I just can't. I just don't want to do what you're doing right now. I just don't like it. Joey, (laughs) get get my back here. Silence isn't good, right? Just Just give them two seconds to breathe. Matt, is it helpful to choose paper <laughs> over plastic? What the hell are you talking about? Is it is it helpful to choose paper over plastic, or is that also a stupid way of thinking that you're doing something? Because I always Look, choose plastic. Why can't we go like back plastic. to glass bottles? Is it just money? I keep thinking how fun glass bottles are. And now, well, then you'll I, and, go and back and to the milkman, and then you're going to have a lot of people getting pregnant from you know. The but guy everybody, that comes with. yeah. I don't think that was, but I, everybody tells me that uh, plastic bottles are the worst thing on earth. Like this, is the one of the worst forms of pollution. So why couldn't we go back to plastic bottles? I mean, glass bottles from because nobody bottles. actually wants to do. Nobody anything. wants to pay for it. They right? don't want to do anything. It's not they real. Don't want to pay for it. Nobody cares. They just care about appearing to care. It's belief in belief. It's care about care. It's not actual care. That's all. That's that's all I'm saying. There are real answers. Trust me, you're not going to go find them out because you don't want to know. I don't want to know about that, and that describes that many things in your life. You, there are real answers. You don't want them. That's I know that describes many things. I, I, I do feel terrible sometimes when I walk out. Like today's trash day in our neighborhood, and I just see all the bags and garbage cans completely filled, and it's just just my street. Like down my streets, maybe thirty <laughs> houses, and I just see every single one of them have unreal plastic bags, bags upon bags filled with stuff. Sometimes it's, uh, the lid can't even close. I threw away a, uh, an old grill today. <laughs> Look, I'm telling you, this is all tapping into guilt. It's not pragmatically trying to help the environment. I agree. If, if I came up with a rocket, I guarantee you this. If I came up with a solar rocket, if somebody, of course not me, somebody came up with a solar I think they've zero, come up with rockets before, but maybe you invented mission it. rocket that launches all trash into outer space, mm. I guarantee you people would start feeling bad about outer space. Space trash. Yes. And they would start trying to make up reasons why that couldn't be good either. And that's, of course... Silly, and I'm not talking about filling up our. Orbit. Well, it would be hilarious if aliens came here and there's a shitload of trash. I mean, whining about that. If you, if, but look how bad it is with the satellite. The, the satellites universe. are bad. So, so I mean, the satellite trash, the dead satellites, also that's a real issue. Right, but my rocket will go out of orbit, and you'll never see it again. It'll be you know traveling for hundreds of thousands of years, and then into nothing, and never bump into anything at all ever. And people would still come up with reasons why that's just not good, and we have to feel guilty about it. <laughs> my uh, kids came up with an invention. You're talking about Sign your a invention. petition and move on. Uh, my kids were talking, I guess it was this morning, and it, it's so sad because, Matt, you know what this is like. Joey, 
you don't love animals and you hurt them whenever you get a chance. So you don't know what this is like. But when we lost Maybell, our dog, just a few short months ago, uh, it's still just sad. And our kids, and we have pictures, and our kids will say stuff. But June made a fake computer. You know, she drew a computer and she was sitting on there. But she was acting. She said it was her. She said, I thought this is so crazy. It's hilarious how her brain thought. I guess it's just where we're at and how kids even know about apps today and everything. She said, Oh, I, I have a, Sounds here's my right. heaven app. Oh, there's Maybell. Hey, Maybell. I did, I, I'm using my heaven app. It's where you can see people in heaven. It's an app where you get to see people in heaven. I was like, oh. And then my heart felt sad. And I was like, oh, God. And then I was just thinking, they're thinking, oh, like their thought process is, oh, yeah, heaven's 100% real. If you had, the, you know, and daddy uses apps and mom uses apps. And, you know, I, I can see all kinds of people. I, there's a video if you use this app. Yeah. You can see a video of Maybelle. FaceTime, so that's, just, that's what heaven, yeah, yeah. That's what heaven is like. And I was like, oh, gosh, this, that's really sad. I'm, like, but what if that was true? What if you could have an app where you could see into death? Oh, God. I thought my kids are very, very, very smart. Uh, which one was that? Our youngest, June, five. Yeah. She says the craziest thing. She also said, Daddy, when you die, we'll get all the money. Uh, that's, what, that's what Georgia <laughs> said, something like that. Georgia says now, if something doesn't go her way, she goes, well, when you die, I'll be able to do it <laughs> or something like that. I know. <laughs> I had the heart clenching. Yeah. Yeah, my kids, I, ever since Maybell, they've just been yeah. asking so much about death and thinking about death. It's just killing me. Joey, I think you mentioned that too, like when some grandparents passed away or something, your kids were talking about it or, yeah. or some friends passed away or whatever. Kids just get it in their head and it, they think about it so much differently or they think about it almost maybe like practically it's it's less it is emotional but it's less emotional but ruby we're just putting up our bikes and she goes dad when i'm an adult will you still be alive and just stares at me and i go oh god and just i just look and, and I, go maybe i said <laughs> yes for sure <laughs> and then, i mean and then I, it, it, well think about it it's because <laughs> they're 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 in the early introduction phase of hearing and experiencing death like we we we've been hearing about it and experiencing it and going to funerals for decades. They're just getting used to the idea. I, I mean, think they're think more confused when, by the fact that everything else that dies, you just plug it in until it recharges. Right. I think right. that's a part of the problem. <laughs> Speaking of uh, money, uh, like what you uh, just said, Priscilla was teasing me for telling me that uh, you know teasing me about my budgeting and all that stuff and I actually told her I yelled at her and I said I actually I have our money budgeted if you were to ever die I know exactly where the money's going to go and but she was she knew I was just joking so we laughed I didn't know that's a really good yeah you you just you, you know money so well that if your wife dies yeah you I have that money budgeted <laughs> what money the uh, life insurance oh, okay. money how Do much life, life insurance, insurance do you have um well I'll have to say that I tried to have a super teachable heart with financial peace. And so listening to Dave Ramsey and everything, I still don't have as much life insurance as he recommends. But if me or Priscilla dies, um, the other person will have $500,000. Yeah, I think that's what I did. I did. Well, I did 500,000 for me. And I think we do 250 for Jess because it was just a decently amount cheaper. Well, she's not really worth as much. I mean, to be honest. (laughs) Well, I, I I read your message loud and clear. I got it. Do you have life insurance, Matt? Oh uh, no! <laughs> <laughs> you and Bridget, I, if I was a betting shit. man, I would have I would have bet no on that one for yeah, sure. Yeah, I would have bet. It's no hard too. for me to get a grip on that. Um, I probably should. It just I just I just am kind of not an insurance guy. I just don't ever feel good about insurance. Period. It, I, I know just what you think mean. It, I think insurance is inherently a scam. You know, not a scam, but it's a it's just you know. I mean, I, let, 
I'll look, be honest, in my lifetime, it has definitely saved our asses. No, I know. Often. Okay, but, often. but the thing about insurance is it's health insurance is slightly different because you can't get health care. It's just, it's complicated, but I'm just saying, fundamentally, I look at like at the warranties at Best Buy. So, right. you know, I had a, I had a, uh, always a, my, I had a, a warranty. I had an issue recently with a thing that was out of warranty. And I was like, fuck, I should have bought that damn warranty. You know, that's the impulse I had when it was a year and a half over and whatever. Right. But <laughs> I've got a lot of electronics. They all have, uh, warranties I could have bought and you can do some real quick math and realize that, that replacing that one thing is vastly cheaper than had I insured all right. purchases that I have made like that's just yeah. the way it works so for sure whatever it was was $200 if I'd bought all the warranties I'd spent a hell of a lot more than $200 in the last few years on warranties right. way more than that if you'd have bought the one and you don't know which thing's going to go down and you know I'm saying life insurance is slightly different but it's still a risk war- reward calculation designed for to make somebody else money so it is designed to take your money not give you money and right. then you're just playing the odds to some degree on if it'll work out or not and when things are high enough risk like how bad it would be for your family to be stranded, it probably makes sense to have insurance. I, I, I concede that, but it's just hard for me to fully arrive at that and then go let somebody sell it to me. And ugh. So I haven't you done guys it have yet, wills? but I agree I should do it. I don't have you a will have, yet, no. I probably need to get that, too. I've I been thinking will, about yeah. that. The will thing is just because it just it causes such hassle for your yeah. family and stuff like that. I, I agree the same thing. Like when we bought our two cars ago uh, – I talked them down to the price, and I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to pay. And I go, then they take me to this office, and they go, listen, this car, you're going to want to get insurance on it, like uh, parts and maintenance insurance. We have these plans. We have this one. This one's high, but here's what I'd recommend. And they act like they're giving me a deal on this yeah. insurance thing. But I would never and I, and I just, to that. I, I just sat there, and I was like, I just like, I can't do I said, I said, are you t-? So basically what this mm-hmm. sounds like is I'm betting, if I pay this, I'm betting on my car breaking down. Yeah, I said you're. I, I said like you're selling. I said bet. you're selling me a good car, aren't you? He goes, hey, yeah, we are. And I was like, I'm gonna bet on trusting you. I'm not yeah, gonna get this line. insurance. Yeah, and then, it's all and then when he, you're you know, being sold fear. I just am always on alert. That's all. So I'm skeptical. I'm not saying it's not ever right to pay money to avoid something that you should be afraid of like that. But I resist it naturally. But I mean, if you were in Joey's body, you have to have some kind of life insurance. He ain't gonna make. Oh it. yeah, if I was Joey, I'd have two. I mean, my first of all, I think actually. I do think if you did have it, five hundred thousand is not enough. It is my actually, also my opinion. But. I actually, actually had a new physical experience. I had TMJ for the first time. Oh <laughs> God! Oh, no, added to the ever. damn list. It's like a kidney stone in my daggone mouth. <laughs> what does it do? Just make your jaw hurt or something? It was like a kidney stone in my daggone mouth. Is what I'm saying. It was horrible, and I am definitely not <laughs> chewing food for about a week to avoid that. <laughs> what? You're like just drinking soup? <laughs> yeah, soup. Would you have a mouth seizure? I'm telling you, yesterday I tried chicken and it it was super painful. I had to drink some whiskey <laughs> to ease the pain. <laughs> it was horrible. Yeah, a whiskey horrible, horrible. whiskey and, and pureed chicken diet for the next couple of weeks. Really. <laughs> well, maybe you lose some weight. Good Lord. What do you mean? You just had like a spasm where your jaw got tied or something? I don't you know. never heard of TMJ? I've heard of it. But, gotcha. I, but that well, just exposes my knowledge of what well, it is. Well, thankfully, at our flock, we have a TMJ expert that does surgeries in Oregon. He's like the one of the top TMJ specialists. He fly, You probably remember him, Toby. Hayes' dad, he flies out to Oregon to do TMJ surgeries, and then he does them here in Charleston. So I called him because I was, I was sitting at Williams' soccer game, and I literally felt like I was going to throw up. I mean, it God. just was so painful. What but, does it mean? Your anyway. jaw clenches, or what is it? What's the symptoms? Uh, it's 
it's basically right in front of your ear where your jaw is, uh-huh. and it is it I, it really does feel like a kidney stone. <laughs> <laughs> but it does it doesn't hurt to talk. What's that? It doesn't hurt to talk. I mean, I basically wanted to sleep all day so I wouldn't have to endure that is the pain. So weird. So. Your body is such a disaster. All right, guys, hold on. Pardon interruption here, but I got to tell you something about bed sheets. Now, here's the thing about bed sheets: you spend a third of your life in them. So, can you? I mean, I'll go slow. Everybody knows you've been in a bed somewhere and in a crappy hotel or some friend's house or something, and been on bad bed sheets. There's nothing worse than that. <laughs> uncomfortable bed sheets. Now, the sheets you may have in your house are probably not like that. They're probably decent. I'll give you that. But do you know what kind of upgrade you could have if you got the best bed sheets that you'd ever slept on in your house and then spent a third of your life in them? Trust me, that's a, an upgrade worth doing. So, of course, I'm talking about Brooke Linen. Brooke Linen sheets, well, they're really the best. And there's, if there's one other thing I hate other than, than uh, uncomfortable bed sheets, it's high markup. And Brooke Lennon takes care of that, too. They're my favorite sheets that I've ever had, both based on the price and the sheets themselves. The company were founded in April of 2014 by a husband and wife named Vicky and Rich. And their philosophy is very simple. The most beautiful, comfortable home essentials and no crazy prices, no unnecessary markups and fees. Because a lot of bedding, and this is true, is marked up like 300%. So it's nonsense. Brooklyn Sheets were named the winner of the best online bedding category by Good Housekeeping Magazine. And I love them because they've got versatile colors and patterns. So y'all can, uh, you and your significant other can figure out which ones, you know, suit your room. It's fun. Go check out the website. You like it. It's underpriced. And you got to try these sheets today. My Brooklyn and sheets are the best, most comfortable sheets I've slept on. Brooklinen.com has an exclusive offer just for our listeners. And you can get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BADCHRISTIAN at brooklinen.com. Now, Brooklinen is so confident that they offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all their sheets and comforters. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use the promo code BADCHRISTIAN at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code bad Christian. Brooklinen. These are the best sheets ever. Austin, what's up, man? How's going? Good. Good. Super excited about this. You uh are you all good technology wise? I think so. Do I sound okay? Look yeah. okay? Yep. Sounds yeah. good. Looks good. Yeah, you sound great. So you probably can hear our voices and pick up very quickly that we are Southern dudes, and uh, two out of the three of us grew up in very fundamental uh, Pentecostal churches, Pentecostal churches, and and all of that stuff. So, honestly, I, I would say, uh, and Matt Matt touched on this, or Matt has actually been really thinking through what is bad Christian, what are we trying to do? And one thing that we keep coming up with is the last four years we have changed so much in our beliefs and our positions, how we see the world, and. Honestly, I would say, and and just with uh, full transparency, at the beginning of doing this podcast, if you nailed the three of us down and uh, asked us if we were affirming, we would probably be like, ah, probably not. Where now we, we would, would say all, loving, not affirming. Yeah, yeah you know that, that not, little well, I mean, work around. It's a work around. We, we we just feel like, gosh, I think we. I think the Bible says this, and and it's just this is just such a hard one. Where fast forward four years, and we have been in a 
extremely uh, fast-paced learning uh, situation. And, and I would say at this point, we're kind of, I think we would all call ourselves very affirming, but this would be our first conversation with someone with your story. And so I'm actually super, super excited. So I think what we should do uh, initially is maybe just walk us through, you know, a snapshot. I know it, it, we could probably talk about this for hours, but maybe just a snapshot of of like how early in your life did you start realizing, man, something something's different. Like, I don't feel like the other girls like uh, like walk us through that a little bit. And you've yeah. probably done this a hundred times and you're probably thinking before you came on this podcast, I hope they don't ask me for my life story. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. I kind of figured we were starting at zero. So it's cool. not because like you guys aren't smart guys, but because like this is some new stuff for you maybe. Yeah. So that's fine with me. I think the, um, like one of the first things that I, uh, talk to people about is when we talk about like transgender people or we use the word transgender, yeah. we always use it as a, uh, as a descriptive word. So it's always like transgender people, transgender man, transgender woman, but never a transgender or transgendered because it's in the same way that you wouldn't use other descriptive words, like words about race. Like you wouldn't say somebody was, uh, like if you're talking about an Asian American person, you wouldn't say they were Asianed, right? Oh, so like, wow. it's just the way to use the words. So that's like, basic stuff and then you can have like a conversation without somebody being like whoa you don't know what you're talking about so it's just a little tip <laughs> what did uh, let's, let me get that right what did joey say he said yeah, what did i say did i say something no you didn't but i had heard so the in prep for this i was like i want to hear what these guys are about because honestly i'll tell you i haven't listened to much of your podcast right. <laughs> <laughs> but i listened to your episode oh gosh i don't even know how long it was ago but you were talking it was like the one where you had talked about trans issues because it was coming up and your whole your kind of basis underneath everything was like who can't like we don't have anything we can say about that because we don't know that much about it which i thought was was good that's like <laughs> humble and good and i liked it um but i was like noticing the language in that and i was like Oh, I bet if they just knew like how to use that word, yeah. it'd be so much better. <laughs> well, I mean, one one thing I learned that I was blown away by, uh, and and this was a personal friend of mine, so he he didn't have any problem with with just reasoning with me and telling me. I didn't realize that to a lot of gay men, the word or just the gay community, the word homosexual had such negative connotation because of church culture, because of the pastors that said, the homosexuals that'll burn in hell and all this stuff. He was just like, please don't use that. Just say gay. Yeah. And, no, and then, I, yeah. And then another shocker, again, all this stuff <laughs> probably sounds really stupid, but another <laughs> shocker for me was I thought queer was a very derogatory name uh -huh. for anyone that was LGBTQ. I just thought, man, if you call someone queer, because honestly, they're, part of that definition is weird and different and all that. And I was just like, that can't be a nice word until someone corrected me on that too. I mean, they said, no, I am queer. <laughs> I was mm -hmm. like, Oh my gosh. Right. Like some, a lot of these words, because language is evolving so quickly, like there's an obvious distinction between like LGBT people who have identified with, who have like marginalized gender identities and sexualities. They've existed throughout human history. Like we see like evidence of that throughout human history, but yeah, the language that we use is evolving so quickly nowadays that lots of people are like, well, I don't know. Should I use that word? Should I not use that word? And the quick and dirty on it is like if somebody uses the word for themselves, 
awesome, but just don't use words for other people without knowing if that's a word that they use. So yeah, like with queer, you, you would never use that for somebody else unless you already knew that was how they identified. Because, you wouldn't say, you, you know, seem queer. Folks, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah for, uh, <laughs> for like older folks, especially, like if you threw that at them, if they're LGBT, they might not use that word because they had they were like bullied as a kid with that word, right? So like you never want to use it unless you know that's somebody's identifying word. It basically it's hard because some of, these being... words, some of these words have been weaponized too by mm-hmm. everybody. So that's right. why it's hard to know what to say sometimes so i'm glad you you did correct us honestly just because i do feel a little bit ignorant to how i'm supposed to address people and, and what they're doing so I, I think we're learning that stuff but yeah i could i could definitely see how all the words i mean in any word that you use has been weaponized against somebody exactly you know, or, or made so as like, a joke you know to, to yeah that for like that. lots of lgbt people too like the like when we talk about the word homosexual right part of the reason behind that it's not just the church that is a big reason but it's also because of the medicalization of a lot of lgbt identities so like homosexual is a word that was used within uh like conversion movements right and so mm-hmm. like the medicalization um that can be something even within trans communities that some people like there's a movement away from the word transsexual because it's a word that was used in in medical context where people were trying to like fix trans people. So that's another part of it too. The funny thing about medical stuff is it's like a garbage bin of old terms that is just all, it just anything that's a medical term now will be an insult in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Retarded or, you know, even the idiot and you know, all the terms for stupid moron, (laughs) you know, some of the stuff for sexuality is, is this Mm -hmm. medical diagnosis or the way you talk about other races have all these Mm -hmm. hilarious things that were actually, official or medical and the garbage bin for them is they stick around forever as insults so I wonder what we're diagnosing today irritable bowel syndrome is just an insult (laughs) for the future when we figure out that wasn't real (laughs) well one thing like I've been working on in my life is you like I work with communities some communities of people that have lots of uh, issues with like mental health and learning from them that like (laughs) words like crazy and insane can be like really hurtful to them if they've been like you know if they've been in uh, inpatient facilities or something like that so like words like that I'm like oh I didn't know and I learned too yeah so it's you know I think uh, I'd like to get some of your background story here and then I'm going to ask some more semi-dumb questions some of them are genuine for for me and some of them that I think represent what other people are curious about but could we go through some of your story and and catch us up Absolutely, absolutely. So for me, my story, uh, I grew up in non-denom churches, uh, non-denom sort of evangelical conservative churches, vineyard churches, if you're familiar with Mm -hmm. lots of vineyard churches. They all, you know, they're different because they've got kind of their own thing going on for each of them. But that was where I grew up until I was like 10 or 11. And I, uh, it was a very, like, they didn't talk about LGBT people, except they talked a little bit about like, like, gay folks in a really negative sense. So like that was the one thing that I sort of took in as a young kid. Mm -hmm. So then fast forward to me, I'm like 14, 15 years old and uh, I was assigned female at birth. So what that means is like based on my genitalia when I was born, my parents were like, oh great, we've got a daughter, we've got a girl, awesome. Um, and so for me at like 14 years old, I ended up falling in love with my best friend who was also uh, a girl. And so I suddenly was like, oh my gosh, I have to rethink all this stuff that I took in as a little kid about like, is being gay bad? Um, Cause you and thought you were so, gay once you realized that. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, I never really, I never really associated myself with like gay or lesbian, but I definitely knew I was attracted to people of lots of different genders. So I started identifying as bisexual, okay. which I still identify as now. So like, but part of my sort of reticence in uh, articulating that I was gay or lesbian was that I didn't have a good sense of my own gender. So like using a word like lesbian wouldn't have made sense for me because I didn't feel female. 
Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like my wake up point where I started doing a lot of work and uh, tried to find out more about like affirming theology and things like that. I ended up in an ELCA Lutheran church as a teenager. And uh, that was kind of, that became my home and they were wonderful people and were really supportive and affirming of me. Um, and it wasn't until I was in my sort of early twenties that I suddenly was like, oh my gosh, I have to deal with this gender thing. That's been like, that I've been thinking about and has been kind of underneath everything my whole life. And uh, so I started kind of thinking about it a little bit, but it was, it freaked me out. I didn't want to think about it because I thought like this will be really hard for my family to have to deal with. And so I sort of shoved it down again and it wasn't till I was 24 or so when I was in seminary that it came back up. And like, uh, for those of you who have been like through seminary processes, I think a lot of seminary is peeling back your layers and kind of like getting rid of all the trash theology that you've taken in and like getting rid of a lot of things about yourself that, um, uh, are kind of standing in the way between you and God and between you and your community. And so as I was going through that process, it was becoming more and more clear that I wasn't going to be able to hide this gender thing anymore. Um, and so that was when I uh, came out, was right after I finished seminary. And uh, since then, I've been working to help specifically trans folks find ways to um, to be affirmed in both their faith and their gender identity. Because for a lot of, especially young trans folks, they're told they have to choose one, right? They either got to be trans or they've got to be Christian. They can't be both. Mm -hmm. And so there's a huge number of folks who are like, wait a minute, you know, that's like asking if you want me to cut off my arm or cut off my leg. Like neither of these is good options. And like, we, maybe we don't have to choose. And so that's where my work is. Interesting. So do you mind if I poke around at just some random things here to try to understand them and put flesh on them for me and other people? Um, first of all, I saw your YouTube channel and you know what I'm kind of amazed at is the comments on your YouTube channel for what you're doing are not really that bad. I don't know if I didn't see enough. And I'm sure there's horrific ones. Don't get me wrong. YouTube's a place where comments are terrible. And you specifically, I would imagine would generate way, way worse than what I actually saw there. I wonder, is that true? And how do you take that? Yeah. The, so when I first started making the videos, for the first five videos or so, you know, nobody noticed or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now I've got almost a hundred videos in this whole list of videos about being trans and Christian. And as it got more and more uh, recognition, I started getting worse comments. And at some point I had to decide, I said, here's the new comment policy is, is if you are saying things like terrible things about other people in the comments, or if you are using um, language that is specifically like, you're damned, you're going to hell, et cetera, for the other people in the community, I'm going to erase that comment, not because I don't believe we should be having conversation, mm-hmm. but because I don't want a 12-year-old kid to get on there and uh, yeah. like read that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of a matter of like, what should I leave, what should I not? So I try to leave things up if I can, but if it's going to be something that's going to be really harmful okay. for somebody else to read, I take it off. Well, that's interesting. That conf- Okay, so mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know if you had changed it. I mean, I, I don't even know how it even works over there, but I'm glad to know that make that makes a little bit of sense. But even still, it's it's very useful that the comments that you leave on there, and I think that's just quite inviting. Then, basically, it, what I'm trying yeah. to figure out is how 
when you say language is changing so much, I'm trying to figure out how quickly culture is changing because, you know, for instance, if you take a word like, you know, black and Negro and on down, those words have changed over time and continue to, but way slower. And now with the information and the culture and the internet and all things happening, it goes fast. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it is changing really fast. And I'm curious how much of that is, you know, weaponization and stuff and how much of it is, are we also able to change our views a lot faster now and update? Like that's kind of the exciting part too. If we're able to change fast, are we also like, are we able to like the thing where everybody was like, cool about gay people now i know i come from the particular lens of people who have changed my position on gay people in the recent future but it feels like everybody did to me Mm -hmm. it feels like we all just went okay we're gonna get over this and we did (laughs) and i know that's not actually true but and that's very biased from my point of view but i'm still impressed and optimistic because i don't like to be on that guilty train i really don't like to be on the guilty train but i'm happy to update i want more people to update but i want i want to feel Maybe I'm trying to force this to be the case, but I want to feel like we're doing pretty well. Not me, but as a culture, maybe we, we got over the gay thing pretty quick and we'll see where this trans thing goes. Is it like the new, you know what I mean? Is all the heat on trans now that used to be on gay basically? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. Like the part. So here's the thing. We've got kind of like two waves of things that happens. There's a wave of like some kinds of social acceptance and then there's a wave of actual like physical protections. And so mm-hmm. when it comes to like, um, same sex, same gender marriage, we obvi- like that moved fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so like the LGBT community was like, Oh, this is great. Like we can finally get married. Awesome. But then there was like a, a moment of like, well, cool. All our work here is done. And that's not the case because like transgender folks, um, and bisexual folks to a, to a sort of different extent, um, are sort of the less talked about younger siblings in the movement, mm-hmm. even though transgender folks were actually the people that started, um, the movement at Stonewall, Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera were two, um, trans women of color who started the Stonewall riots. And so like, even though like trans folks sort of started the movement, we've been kind of left behind a little bit. So like, I totally hear you when you say like, we've come a really long way because in a lot, in a lot of ways we really have. Um, but it would be remiss of us to think like, well, you know, Caitlyn Jenner exists, Laverne Cox exists, so we're all good. Yeah, everything's okay. Plenty of work to do yeah. still. I, I, right. I, I yeah, don't, exactly. don't hear me saying that or pat me on the back for thinking I'm trying to get right. Not, none I mean, of that. Matt, my, <laughs> my theory, Matt, is that, I, and Austin, tell me what you think of this. Like, I, I think that you are probably born in uh, a time in which you've got some work cut out for you as far as like, you've got a, a calling, so to speak on your life to figure some of this stuff out and to help people. Because I think if you were born 50 years ago, you don't have a shot. You just might as well keep it to yourself because no one's going to accept you. If you were born 50 years from now, you're probably good to go. That's my guess. I mean, would, would you say I that's mean, fair? I would, I would hope so. But I think the thing that we always have to remember when we talk about um, marginalized communities is that we have like layers and layers of different kinds of oppression that we have to deal with. So like for me, as a trans guy who basically like nobody questions that I'm a guy, I look like a guy, like it's not a big deal for me. Um, but that's also because I'm white and I'm able-bodied and like I have other all these other kinds of um, – uh, helpful things in my life. Right. But like for, um, trans women of color, for instance, I don't know if it's going to be like a, not a big thing for them in 50 years, because when we think of like how slowly we've come in like race relations sure. in the United <laughs> yeah. States in the past couple hundred years, like how fast has that moved? So I think we've right. got to be aware of like the different layers of, of, um, 
uh, social power we have, cultural mm-hmm. power we have, and 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 discrimination that we face. Does as our it, questioning it, make us sound like prejudiced assholes and you're just being nice to us with all of your answers? <laughs> I don't know. I guess you'll have to ask your listeners. You sound okay to me. I think we're all just learning and we're at different places. Well, we're Austin, doing, we're, do you feel, do you feel ca- caught in the middle sometimes too? But like, do people go, why are you defending that Christian stuff? Like, do you feel like, like you, like you got, do you feel like sometimes you get it from all angles? Like, are there people that like, man, we love what you're doing in the transgender community. And now you're trying to defend that stuff that those people that like, does that happen too? Oh yeah, it totally happens. And it's not like, but, but the difference is, I think that when I'm getting flack from Christians, it's usually like, how can you defend that terrible, sinful thing? And it's like an ideology question. Uh When I get stuff from the trans community, it's like, how can you possibly defend people that have like personally Mm -hmm. hurt us and tried to destroy our lives? So like, I think that's kind of the difference. Well, let's, let's, let's really talk about that because that is really, really a cool intersection to explore in my opinion. So Mm -hmm. how do you answer that? Like how, what? That's a good point on their on their end. Sounds consistent yeah. with many other things you think. Right. And like and I totally like I would never want to say like everybody should accept like you never want to tell somebody to just accept a group of people or a person that has like abused you, right? Like there's there's things in Christianity that call us to forgiveness and to relationship, but you know, it's complicated. It's so complicated when it comes to things like that. And so the thing that I always tell people is that like for me I tried for a really long time to just like not be a Christian, not have faith. I didn't, uh, you know, as a teenager, as I think a lot of teenagers do, I was like, oh, institutional Christianity, this is all bullshit, you know, like, and uh, that I really tried to get away from it. And for me personally, I just had this continual experience of God being like, nope, I'm still here. You can't get rid of me. I'm still here. Mm -hmm. I'm still like working in your life and I'm still trying to get you to see things. And so for me personally, that's what I tell people is like, hey, I tried to live without it and it didn't work for me. So that's just, I'm stuck here like you're stuck there in a lot of ways. Let me ask you one, uh, what I would imagine, I think this is a difficult question, but maybe it's an easy question for you. But which, uh, do you think both things about you are full on identity? Like your identity is trans man and your identity is Christian in the same way? And if so- yeah, I mean, the, the, the tough thing about that, like, and I get this a lot of times when I, um, you know, on the videos and then when I go out and do work and people say like, your only identity is supposed to be in Christ as Christians, your mm-hmm. identity is in Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Everything else, get rid of it. Um, and I think we have to be careful because we don't ask that of anybody else <laughs> except people whose theology we don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like for me, I completely believe that being trans is part of my identity. And I also believe it's an important part that uh, is important and relevant to my relationship with God and others. Mm-hmm. And so if I got rid of that part of my identity, just like I would try to get rid of my identity as a Christian, I wouldn't be me anymore. Well, let me narrow it down just a little bit more. I'm going to try and get to a, a pain point here. Go uh, for it. So I will say then what you're saying is that you being trans is part of your identity and being Christian is part of your identity. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Or, or Yeah, I'd say it. Yeah. Because like you said, it's supposed to be your whole identity in Christ, and that's kind of unreasonable, right? Right. And I mean, like, I don't, I guess I wouldn't say it's unreasonable. I guess I would say that, um, just like somebody wouldn't, let me think, how can I, how can I word this? I think saying that, um, your identity is first and foremost in Christ. I would say that for myself. Um, that doesn't mean that it erases every single other identity that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like when we think about like Galatians 3.28 and how there's no slave or free, there's no, uh, Jew or Greek, there's no male Mm -hmm. and female, when we think about verses like that, 
we're not talking about it like, okay, everybody has to be whitewashed and painted with the same brush because we're all the same now. Mm -hmm. Um, What we're like, that sameness is uh, we all have the same relationship with God and nothing's going to get in the way of our relationship with God based on like human constructs. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean every single person has to be the exact same. It's much more like, I I think about it more as like a stained glass window rather than just like painting over a stained Mm -hmm. glass window. You're going to have all these different colors of glass that come together. You don't want all the glass to be the same color. You want them to be different, but create one picture. Okay. So I'll go with that. And I'm just going to ask you, are there more panes of glass in your stained glass that are Christian or trans? Could you rank the identity, the part you say they're both part of your identity. Mm -hmm. Are they equal? There's one more than the other. Is one more likely, like, is it possible that in the future you're no longer Christian? Is it possible that in the future you're no longer trans? And if so, mathematically, how would you address that? Well, I mean, first of all, I guess I wouldn't, I could ask you the same question and you'd have no answer to it. I mean, I'll I'll answer it. (laughs) I can answer it for sure. I think there's a 30% chance that in the future I'm not Christian and a Mm -hmm. less than 1% chance that I'm a woman in the future. That's just me. Right. I can say yeah, that. and that's I don't that's have, fair. Know. That's a fair thing to say. I think like if I was to, I can't give you a percentage for the future because I don't know the future. Yeah. That's not my job. But I can tell you that if I was to like rank identities in like a trickle down sort mm-hmm. of sense, Christian would definitely be on top, and then everything else kind of comes underneath. Interesting. That. That's very interesting. Thank you for sticking yeah. with me through that line of questioning. But I was just kind of curious yeah. how you would handle that. I do feel like you probably have some trans people barking at you for some of your positions, then, right? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. But it's not, I mean, just realizing that it comes out of a place of like pain and sorrow uh-huh. makes it something that is uh, much easier to empathize with mm-hmm. and to be compassionate about. It's much harder for me to be compassionate with Christians that seem like they have no dog in the fight and still want to fight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. But overall, well, I'll give you a, an easy question. Which group is more full of hate, the Christians or the trans community? <laughs> um, I mean. <laughs> or less loving, which is less I'm loving. Just, I'll say it that I'm way. just going to be straight with you. It's the Christian For community. For sure. And, and like, I agree with and, you 100%. <laughs> and like the, the problem is that we have gotten, okay, I shouldn't say the problem, a problem that I see is that. Christians have gotten so good about talking about like, I'm doing all these things to you in love that like, what does love even mean at that point? You know, like when it's causing harm and when it's doing all these terrible things to people like, and we're calling that love, like that's, I think where we've got our wires crossed. (laughs) I think the thing that's happening when you say, how can you support that thing, that Christianity that does so much direct harm? You know what? I agree that it in itself overall does. Like it's horrified many, many 12-year-old people. Like mm-hmm. with its what with what it says about hell and what it says about your sexualities and what it says about your yeah. dark impulses, whatever. There's mm-hmm. been a ton of harm done that way. But in no way do I think you can apply that as it's a person doing the same harm directly. And that is not it's never fair to transpose any group and say, well, those people, the Muslims or the Christians or the gay people, you can't ever say things, or the police, anything that mm-hmm. they've done as a group that's a passive result of bad ideas on their part is nowhere near the same as somebody actively you know, harming a person or attacking them or whatever. And that's the thing it seems we keep getting crossed up about. Christians, all the bad stuff you want to say about them as a group, I agree. It's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing and that it's bothers complicated me, when it comes to the individuals, you can't you can't apply it to the individuals. You can't. I mean, the only thing that the only thing that bothers me about this, though, is and Austin, hopefully by now you see uh, our position in which we completely affirm you. We're learning uh, and and all of that. But the only thing is, though, is if if a Christian like 
are we okay with saying that having a certain belief is morally wrong and cruel? Because I, I think that I can still lend an ear to someone that says, man, I would love to be able to say that Austin's good to go. It doesn't gross me out. It doesn't bother me. It, it's, it, to me, it, seem, it makes complete sense. I just can't get away from what I think the Bible says about gays. And so those people that say, I am being loving because I think this is wrong, like, is that, is that a wrong approach based on what they believe? I believe it's a wrong approach because I don't, I don't think what they believe is true. But if that's what they have working with them, are those bad people? I mean, I think the, I think we have to be very aware of what our beliefs are, are like what actions our beliefs are leading to. So for instance, yeah. you've got this person that's like, I'm totally like, I'm not personally going to do anything to any trans person, but like my beliefs are there. We have to recognize that our beliefs that we hold are still, even if we're not personally doing anything, they can still be propping up systems that mm-hmm. cause harm. And so I think that's an important thing to recognize. Um, but in terms of like how I would personally interact with somebody like that, I would say like, hey, like I, I get that like you feel it, you're in that place right now with your beliefs. I would be super interested to know more about that. For me, yeah. coming at it with curiosity is always the first thing because especially for um, like I think in the past – 10, 20 years, we've gotten really good at talking about the clobber verses that apply to lesbian, gay, bisexual folks, but verses that have to do with gender and gender identity um, and like physical sex are not things that we have figured out how to talk really well about. And so I would be interested to talk with that kind of person and just be like, where are you getting this from? (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I was going to, that's what I was just thinking when Joey was talking was, it sounds like to me too, that like the transgender community just gets lumped in with gay or, right, like that. It's all the same to the maybe those Christians that we're talking about, or the which, 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 which wasn't whoever, which was whoever, not what I was saying. No, I know, right. I know that's not what you're saying. But I'm no, just saying I think it probably, you did it probably think that, and you you had a little smirk in your voice, and that's not what <laughs> I was well, saying. Well, a little bit. It did sound you sounded like that. <laughs> no, the, the thing is, is I think a lot of Christians they just dismiss <laughs> dismiss transgenders altogether. Right now, the talking point is the gay community. The fundamentalists, they haven't even tried talking about this yet. So, yeah, they just, did, they just I, lump it all together as sin right, right, or the just pervert, the gay community right, or whatever right. it might yeah. be. But right. what, do, do you end up, uh, that's one of the questions I wanted to get into too. Have you reconciled biblically, uh, like with the transgender part of your identity? I mean, how, how did you get there? Because you've, you've done a lot of study about the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I have, yeah. And that's like, that's been one of the fun things to talk about is like, especially online, people are like, well, haven't you read this verse and this and such? And I'm like, yeah, I was in seminary. <laughs> I did indeed read the entire Bible. I know what's in there. Um, but uh, but yeah, so for me, I mean, when it comes to things like reconciling identity and and faith, I always go back to the fact that like Christ is the ultimate reconciler who does the reconciling. We don't do the reconciling. God does. So that's like the baseline for me. But in terms of like coming to understand verses in the Bible and how they're used, that was something that I started out dealing with when I began coming out as trans because my dad is uh, much more conservative in his faith than I am. And so when I started coming out, he we started having conversations about this and he was like, hey, I don't get this. How can you be trans and be Christian? Explain it to me theologically. And I was like, okay, I'll do my best. And so I started doing a lot of studying and, um, and yeah, I've done a lot of work around this and it has to do with, um, we've got like two verses in Deuteronomy that are relevant. 
Um, other than, and then we've got like an argument you can make from Genesis one and from creation. And so those are kind of like the three that people throw out there and they all have a lot to like, we have a, there's a lot that you can say about all of those three passages. Um, so yeah, so I started out doing it in the trans and Christian videos cause I wanted to make it super easy for people to understand. I wanted to bring resources from seminary that like people, not everybody has the resources to go to seminary. And I wanted to put that information out there for folks that wanted it. Um, and then in the past year and a half, I ended up writing a book all about it. So if you want to read about it, I got a book. <laughs> <laughs> tell people what that book is. I, I, I want to talk to you more, but tell people what that transforming. Book is, but... It is. It's called Transforming the Bible and the Lives of Transgender Christians. And essentially what I did was go through the three big clobber sections and then also about six different um, verses and passages that see gender diverse people in the Bible in a positive light. Who is gender diverse um, people in the Bible? So, for instance, the biggest like uh, sort of group that we hold on to uh, are the eunuchs in Scripture. So, like you see eunuchs in Deuteronomy, in Isaiah, in Matthew 19, and then in Acts 8. And there's this big movement throughout that from Deuteronomy where eunuchs, so people whose uh, genitalia have been changed, are uh, sort of exiled from the community of Israel. And that's you get that in Deuteronomy 23.1. So that's like the first point. Then in Isaiah 56, you get this huge movement where God is saying through the prophet Isaiah that eunuchs are, are now welcome in the kingdom of God and, and in um, uh, welcome to worship in the temple. And they're going to get a special welcome and a special blessing. And that was in response to, um, like the short version, that was in response to the Israelites being captive in Babylon, where castration was a common and practice. And so when they came back to Israel from the Babylonian captivity, suddenly it was like, what do we do with all these people whose um, genders uh, and sexes are different than the norm? How do we deal with that? So Isaiah spoke to that. And then in Matthew 19, you get Jesus saying positive things about eunuchs, using them as a model for discipleship. And then in Acts 8, of course, you get the Ethiopian eunuch being one of the first baptized uh, Christians. So like you get this huge movement from Deuteronomy to Acts. That's interesting. So are, are you approaching the Bible from like an inerrancy point of view, like with your studies and everything? Where are you with all of that? Because some, I, I mean, once once someone gets to the point where it's just like, wait a second, we're reading the Bible completely wrong. This is a progression <laughs> of human thought. Then in my opinion, the door is wide open for anything to be debated. But I've also heard people like Matthew Vines, who it seems at least in his teachings, he's, he's saying, no, it is inerrant, but it's doesn't mean what you think it means. What's your approach? I mean, I feel like the, my personal approach is I take scripture very, very seriously. I don't always take it literally. Um, And because I think those two things are different. And I think that there are pieces of scripture that um, essentially, yeah, I guess that would be how I would describe it is like, I take it very seriously. All of the research that I do is based on scripture and like trying to get to the root of that as much as I can when it comes to uh, he- reading the Hebrew, the Aramaic, the Greek. And I take it very seriously, but I wouldn't say that every single word of it is inerrant. But you're you're a supernatural Christian that believes in the resurrection and is trying to go to heaven and all that stuff, at least. Yeah, for sure. Right. So, yep. th- yeah. I think, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you're more scripturally conservative than than me. It would be certainly possible, I would think, too, with this different <laughs> outcome. When you talk about the eunuchs, I think that's interesting because, the see if I'm saying this right, the message of the Bible over time seems to be more inclusive of people that were previously subjugated or marginalized. We definitely see that, and that group was 
not necessarily biologically the eunuchs, although some of them might have been in that category too. They're maybe artificially uh, eunuchs or castrated or whatever, but nonetheless, the church and the systems and the people told them, you are unclean, you're out, you can't be in one of us, and then ultimately they, of course, are welcomed in. And the trans community today, that seems very parallel. It just happens to be you know, how you arrived at an alternative sexuality, if I'm not saying something wrong there, um, was gender uh, identity, gender identity. Sorry. Absolutely. (laughs) I knew I was saying something wrong. Gender identity is whether whatever, by whatever means you arrive at what you identify at biologically, uh, abuse, uh, castration, if it were, you know, these would be all people that, that the church wants to by its institutional policies and stuff keep on the sidelines or marginalized or not welcomed in. And that's the gospel message seems opposite to that. Like, right. And we see that time. throughout scripture when it comes, like you said, through, with different uh, groups of people, like for instance, in, you know, the early parts of the old Testament, the Moabites are people that you're not supposed to, you know, be affiliated with. And then you get Ruth, who's a Moabite, who then is named as one of the mm-hmm. uh, ancestors of Jesus by the time you get to the Gospels. So like you get that movement with a lot of different groups of people. Mm-hmm. I think the like the, the thing that maybe you're getting to is when you say like how how we came to this point or how we got to this point with our gender identity it points to this question of like, are trans people saying that like God made a mistake in making them a certain way? Cause that's something that's sort of been leveraged mm-hmm. at lots of trans folks in Christian communities is mm-hmm. like, well, if you're changing things about yourself, are you saying that you're fixing something God did wrong? Right. And like for, for this is something that I, I brought up in the very, like the introduction to the book, because it's such a common question. But um, for most trans folks, trans Christians that I know, the argument is not like, yeah, we were made and it was a mistake and we're fixing it. The argument is that um, we believe that we were made with a gender identity that was different from our assigned sex on purpose and for a reason. Um, and like that doesn't always like it's not a, a a great thing for us all the time because we deal with a lot of marginalization and, and other um, negative things in the world. But it's sort of one of those like suffering all for the glory of God type of things almost. Right. Like I believe personally that I was made trans on purpose because I now have a lens on faith mm-hmm. and on the world that nobody else has. Um, and I believe that's really important when it comes to uh, widening the doors of the church. So like – that's kind of where I'm at with it. With people like that, is there any relevance of like bringing up like with the mistake is when you uh, interact with people, is there any relevance with a uh, hermaphrodite? Like, hey, OK, well, would you say that's a mistake? And or even like the sexual fluidity of uh, it seems as if. You know, we're not we're on this linear deal of masculinity, femininity. Some people have both. Some people have this. You know, it just kind of doesn't seem to be so cookie cutter that a lot of Christians want to approach. Is there any relevance in the conversation with that? Yeah. And I mean, I guess learning moment here first with language that we wouldn't use the word hermaphrodite anymore. The word that we use for people with um, differing uh, sex characteristics uh, is intersex. So for intersex, thank you. For intersex folks um, who are, it's like 1.4% of the population, which is like one in a hundred births or something like that, which is like a really high percentage, you wouldn't think. But um, for intersex folks, yeah, it's like a real, there are intersex Christians that are working to 
kind of show us the sort of folly of our human understandings of like everybody must fit into blue box or pink box mm-hmm. because that's not how God made people, right? That's not how God made every single person. But, you know, uh, we don't want to use any single person's identity as like an arguing point either. So it's relevant, but like we don't want to use them to argue a point because yep. they're people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Did you think when you, uh, when you, when you said going back to like your early teens and you had, you, you started falling for your best friend and all this stuff. Did you think this is the end of my Christianity? Like you, you you said your dad, I, I'm assuming your family's very conservative. Did you think, uh Oh, this, 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 like, did you think there's something wrong with me? Or did you think I'm I'm a sinner? What what were your thoughts that those early stages? Yeah, I mean, like, so this speaks to like what we teach teenagers about like their sexuality, regardless of if they're gay or straight. But like, yeah. my first thought was like, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible person. I'm bad. Like, this is the worst. I'm a mm. you know I'm a terrible worm human being. And uh, all of that was coming out of not just the fact that. I was falling in love with my best friend, but just in general that I was having like any sexual feelings at all towards Mm -hmm. anybody. It was such a shame and guilt type thing. Right. And, um, so like for me, the way that that played out was once I like, uh, had these feelings for my best friend and was also getting this negative, uh, stuff about LGBT people, I thought, okay, cool. Well, I guess I'm destined for hell anyways. So like, who cares what the hell else I do? (laughs) And it was just like, which I'm sure if you told a pastor that they would be like, wait, no, that's not what we meant at all. Like we didn't mean like, cool. You're like, there's such a, in sort of the neo Calvinistic theology that just says like, you're a terrible person, but try to be decent anyway, but it doesn't matter because you'll fail, but Jesus still loves you. Like that is so mixed up for like a teenager to figure oh, out yeah. regardless of whether they're gay or yeah, straight. Yes. Yeah, I'm saying it has none to do with those issues. There's so many people that thought that about just very, very normal things or, or mm-hmm. guilt about just any, anything, not getting high enough grades. I mean, like right. that describes the adolescent experience and probably a turbocharged one for you i'm sure of course yeah yeah and so for me it just led to like well who cares what i do anyway since i'm already going to hell Mm -hmm. which is not a great way to uh live your life in a healthy way but it's also not a great way to grow up and have a healthy sense of self either yeah i think that's a common conclusion that that people make can you help me uh I'm I'm of a mind where I'd like to say that gender fluidity or even sexual fluidity is the what makes the most sense to me. That makes to me more sense than born that way. Mm. Can, can you change my mind or have different thoughts on that? It just seems, um. and I'm okay with that. I just it's, but I have a hard time with the born that way. Actually, it makes me even more confused. So I'd like to think and fix me because it sounds I must be saying something wrong but it seems more progressive to me to embrace gender fluidity as a thing like it's totally fine to do whatever you want in my book mm-hmm. which means you don't have to be born that way either you just do what you want to do right i think the um the strength of the born this way argument is recognizing that god made humans in lots of different ways mm-hmm. that's the strength of the argument the the negative side of the argument is that you end up sort of putting people in this position where their uh, free will doesn't matter. And, um, and so there's like positives and negatives to it. Personally, I have seen the LGBT sort of uh, 
movement, I guess you would call it, moving away from Born This Way Good. because it takes away from uh, human agency. And there are people that kind of say, hey, if I, if I did, for instance, choose to be gay or choose to be bisexual, that doesn't make it any less real or relevant or like whatever than it would if I was um, born that way. Yes. And so like that is an argument that I think – um, makes sense in terms of how we treat people. Like you shouldn't treat anybody any different in terms of how you love them and care for your neighbor and all that kind of thing. It doesn't matter how they got that way. You should still love them and be yeah. a compassionate human being. Um, I think it's much harder in faith circles because people mm -hmm. feel like they have an out if you were born that way. Like, right. oh, you were born that way. You can't change it. I guess that's fine. Yeah, then. that thing's um, super weird to me because I've been trying to make this point for several years, but it, every time <laughs> I try to make it, it just sounds like this Christian Southern redneck bigoted guy don't believe in born that way. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying. I think I'm farther than that. I think it actually doesn't make sense. Like the born that way is cannot be the future of the movement. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, it would ultimately be once we understand enough about genetics. It's like you get your genetic t test done, and it would already tell you before you're born. Oh, you'll be born as a male, but tech, but it, you'll be a trans. I mean, you mm -hmm. know, you'll be a trans female because mm -hmm. I already see it in the genetic code because you're born this way. Or, mm -hmm. or, or with your sexuality. And that just doesn't make sense. It can't, but it's, I'm not, I'm saying it from, I, I assure you, it's totally cool with me. And it would only make sense that you would, would have the ability to make the choice or be fluid or be gay and then not gay. And I'm not trying to conflate sexuality and gender, but I always feel like those arguments are like half measures that don't really hold up logically that help them gain ground against, you know, Christians who want to say, oh, you're just choosing all this nonsense. But I was uh -huh. curious how that would stick to somebody like you, if that if my argument holds any water or that's yeah. the direction we're heading. Well, I think that like there is a there is scientific backing for certain understandings of born this way. Like there are certain things about um, like there, there were studies done about two years ago on the brains of trans men and trans women mm -hmm. prior to any sort of like hormone treatment or anything that showed that there were similarities in the brains of like trans men and cisgender men. So mm -hmm. not trans, um, like prior to any sort of hormones or anything. So like there are certain biological pieces to this. Proclivities, that do fit tendencies, in there. things like that. I'm t completely. I mean, there's, you right. know, there's gotta be genetic components that make people on average more violent or, or things mm -hmm. too, that you could certainly find. Yeah, well, I think we could find some less negative okay. Uh, examples okay. of that. Okay, uh, high, <laughs> high, high intelligence, same thing, right? Yeah, no, I yeah, get There's, you, there's, I get there's, you. there's tendencies think, there. Right, and I think like like almost anything else in, in human nature, there's a component of biology and there's a component of nature, there's a component of nurture, mm -hmm. right? And I think it's a little bit of But it just, I mean, if you give the, the church, if you give the Christian people who we know handle these things poorly back at you, if you give them the ammo of born that way, then they're going to use it to take away your autonomy of your cho free will and choices in the future. Because I, I just seem like I just don't like that that path of the born that way. But that's True. not because I think give them, nobody if you should did say that. Yeah. If you did say that it was choice, though, then they would be like, cool, right. well, then change. <laughs> that's Well, I, I, I know. I'm just saying, you know, that, that that's confusing. But thanks for uh, indulging me on that path. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's a thing where you learned of it then like it's like when we talk about choice or, or free will or uh you know or born this way do you, do you think you learned your gender like you were like oh this like the same way as me like i i realized when i was a certain age i was like that girl's so cute <laughs> like I, I and maybe obviously there's some cultural and uh you know church and christian things that imp imp gave me impressions of, of of where i should go and what i should go do but maybe it's also a thing where it, it, it's fluid but at the same time you're le you're learning that experience too right 
Right. Well, I mean, let's separate sexuality and gender identity there because okay. your sexual your sexuality, I think, is seems to be much less learned than gender is. Gender is um, like you you kind of are attracted to whoever you're attracted to, and there doesn't seem to be much rhyme or reason behind it. Right. Gender is something that every single person on earth learns based on how the people around them act and how they um, how they are, like what boxes they're forced into. So for instance, if you're a baby and you don't have a sense of yourself, you don't get your sense of gender, scientists don't think, until about age three. That's when you start to, it starts to coalesce a little bit more because you're separating your personal identity from the identity of like usually your mother, like your parents. Um, so around age three, you're starting to be like, oh, I'm my own person. I have likes and dislikes and whatever. And you, um, some people will have an automatic sort of proclivity towards like gendered things like I love trucks and my favorite color is blue and I like wrestling and all this kind of stuff. And if you are somebody assigned male, we encourage that. We say like, perfect, great. But if you have your son who's three years old, who starts, who's like, I would really like to wear a dress one day. Most of the time parents are like, oh no, 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 you can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so he's learning his gender in that moment. Um, and it's not something that parents are going to be able to do to change what's going on internally for him, but he's going to learn what's expected of him. And so that's what I say when I say learning gender, it's you're learning what's expected of you on the outside. Would you it's say not going to change what's on your inside though. Could you say that more that that language would be reinforcing than informing though? Like, you know. Right. Exactly. Not, you don't believe we are born blank slate gender wise. No, no. I think everybody's got their own uh, internal sense of gender that develops uh, like – Despite your um, awareness of it. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of. So like for me, I grew up up to like age 10 with my parents being like, okay, you're kind of a tomboy. That's fine. But like, you're still a girl and like very much, uh, enforcing that idea that mm -hmm. you're a girl. And that didn't change the fact that I knew I wasn't a girl. So like, there's not, there are certain things that you can't change about what's going on internally for somebody, but we definitely uh, try to change what's going on externally for people. Yeah, thank you for helping us process this. Let me ask one more language-based question, and ain't no trap. I'm just trying to get my categories <laughs> right in my head. That's what they the all way say. That I use. Okay, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but so <clears throat> let me just see if this is – is a trans man different than a man? Or is for, a trans man a man? So honestly, that's a question that is – different depending on the individual you ask. Okay. So for instance, for me, um, I identify as a trans man specifically because I want people to know that I'm transgender because I think it's important in my relationships and in how I see the world. I want them to know that about me. But like uh, for lots of folks who are trans, they just, it's, they identify as their gender. And so like it, when, it, when we talk about like treating, um, when we talk about how we treat people, so outside of the bounds of like <laughs> theoretically, right? Mm -hmm. When we're actually talking about how we treat people, yes, you treat a trans man like a man, you treat a trans woman like a woman, you treat non-binary sure. people the way they want to be treated. 100% agree, 100% agree. But in yeah. my mind, as it stands now, I'd be most comfortable saying that that as we are deeming, and I think a lot of this, I, I'm totally good with the notion that a lot of this is just constructs that we find easy to operate out of. So mm -hmm. that being understood, in the context we're in for me i feel like there are men there's trans men there's women and there's trans women that's what mm -hmm. i think in my head is that a problematic to, to anyone like those are I all four it, different things and they all have different qualities on average i think I would say. um it can be a problem when it comes to uh how systems 
how mm-hmm. how people are allowed to work within systems. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and I think it it may be a problem if it subconsciously changes how you act, mm-hmm. even if you're not thinking about the fact Fair that enough. you're treating somebody sure. who's cisgender and somebody who's transgender differently. You might be unconsciously doing that. Um, I think one of the things that I've seen some trans people do is saying like, I am a man of trans experience. I'm okay. a man first and, se- first and foremost, but like I have this experience that I would like you to be aware of. Mm-hmm. So that's another way of sort of like putting it that might help people. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, I, and I of course agree that trans men should be treated exactly like men. I do agree mm-hmm. with that. Do you know? That? Yeah. And I think the other thing that like we haven't even touched on, and this is probably too big to go into, but like there's a whole bunch of people out there who identify as non-binary as not sure. men or women. Sure. So like, yeah. that's a thing too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, like like I said, co- the construct thing gets kind of blown out of proportion. But we need some social constructs that we need to make sense of things, and we're gonna have to rethink them. And that's fair enough. We made, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, that's what we'll do. That, Austin, I mean, that's our what, bud, yeah. Austin, our buddies at Focus on the Family want to process this with you too. So we're gonna pass your contact <laughs> off to them. Perfect. <laughs> Well, so, I'm very uh, yeah. encouraged by by this interview and getting to ask the question. So, thank you for indulging on yeah, those. Thank you for being so you. transparent, and, and that wasn't a joke. Thank you for being open and honest and transparent, <laughs> and we we do appreciate it. Uh, they can find where everybody can find you at AustinHartkey dot com. Uh, I think I'm saying H A R T K E, and Austin is a little bit different too. A U S T E N Austin Hartkey dot com uh or they can go to your youtube channel transgender and christian is that right that's true yep so transgender and christian on youtube you'll find me you've got my website uh and yeah you can find the book on amazon and order it for barnes and noble wherever you want to get it transforming the bible and the lives of transgender christians awesome austin thank you so much for coming on man thanks we really do appreciate it yeah thanks for having the conversation i'm glad to be here awesome all right talk to you again soon hopefully sounds good (laughs) all right that was very cool. I'm glad Austin was on there. I like his disposition. Yeah, very. But why? Why do these youngsters keep sounding? Well, they are. We're uh, we're dinosaurs, and they are. <laughs> but know, we need. But please, please, let's we're let dinosaurs, and they're Neanderthals. Bit, <laughs> I, I do they're believe that smarter. is the way it's going to go with the future. Is the value in the young people? Like, think about what you said earlier in the episode. Tell me about your kid. That was this episode. I hope that developed the app for seeing in heaven. Right. Yeah, I think it was. It might have been the bonus episode that only the BC Clubbers get. Okay. But either way, well, we'll get yeah. back to that. Toby was, if it wasn't on this episode, my brain is scrambled, which <laughs> it probably is. Toby said that his daughter was pretending that it there was, was an episode. app on the phone that allowed her to see their dog. Our dead dog. Heaven. Okay, this <laughs> episode. episode. Well, anyway, that is a really interesting example to me of how the pr- the problem with using this is why i believe in child labor because i think she could be an app developer because the less <laughs> right. i really do i think that the good ideas will come from children i really think right. that that's the creativity once they have the power and you don't have to memorize and have gone to school and all the information's accessible to you anyway that's why you need to be a grown up because you have to learn 10 billion things and memorize them before you can be effective but if we can bring the take the technology away and the coding becomes easier and the interfacing to the machines becomes easier and the information is directly accessible, then you will be able to channel this creativity from children that probably would be effective at doing very good, creative, and problem-solving work. And I'm not surprised when young people like Austin or anybody is way smarter than us at their age. That's to be. That's what we should be expecting. The more right. we get well, also, our kids involved with technology, uh, they'll be smarter. Y- young folks uh, can are spending time learning mm-hmm. and experiencing and studying and th- thinking of things academically, whereas we are in a stage right now where we're asking i thought he was very patient and kind with us so i did really appreciate that but at the same time he's 
he's finding a place in the Bible and Christianity for folks like him and saying, wait a minute. And so these are things that other people aren't thinking about even. So a lot of uh, children, and Austin's not a child, but youth and, and young folks uh, are experiencing things where, wait a minute, Y'all have done this forever. What it's still got to be this way? Yeah, let's, let's update. Wait, wait, wait. Maybe we should change it. What, what are y'all talking about? Uh, gender this way? What? What have you ever thought about gender this way? Right. I mean, and, and nobody has. That's what I'm saying. I never thought. I, I am never in my life thought gender and sex weren't the same thing. <laughs> I, I just did. I never did. I never even questioned it. Same. I, there's tons of things that I haven't questioned mm-hmm. in my life just because people that I trusted, like my close family members, parents, grandparents, family said, no, this is what it is. And I go, oh, well, I trust you. So now I'm starting to realize, wait a minute, people are studying, learning, experiencing things. And that, that's what I thought when I was we were doing the interview, I was just thinking, it really is neat to find a place in Christianity or uh, the Bible for everybody. Like, there is a place. Nobody is excluded. We're, what, if, we're, if we're trying to do exclusion tactics and we're trying to say, no, you're in, you're, you're out— that gets really dangerous, way more dangerous than people go, well, nobody well, says that. Though. They say saying. you're not out, but you got to change to be like me to come in. You got to change to be all. right. That's the, or you're out. Yeah. But if you don't I, change. I say that in love, of course, that these people. Yeah. Have that, to he be made not a great with, point about that. Yeah. Like, what is love if that's what you're saying? <laughs> be like me or else. Well, how about the. Toby, why haven't you spent your whole life trying to figure out a way for people like you? To that's kind of have what this place. is, actually. Well, yeah, that <laughs> is what this is. And also, I've been spending most of it trying to figure out. For people like you, because you're in trouble. <laughs> and you're in bad shape. I studied my ass off for people like you, and there's still no answer. I thank you, though. I really appreciate well, the effort. Well, the, I really am. that's so funny because they, they, you're right. He's out there working and doing stuff and changing things and learning on YouTube and creating YouTube. And they, again, he's not the most of a youngster. But I just think back to in my days as a young person, I spent just most of my time learning how to play ping pong and maybe golf. I don't know. Right. Like, I know how to play a lot of pool, bumper pool. <laughs> you name it. I got tons of hours in that. I didn't have YouTube at the time. Maybe we'll get to know a few more things. Or that is really hilarious progress. thing about Austin has been studying his ass off to change the world, and I definitely tried to beat Mario 3, Super Mario Bros. 3. That's, yeah, exactly. That's, that's, what, that's what I did when I was, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, Austin's in his 20s. We, I don't want us to misconstrue that he's a kid. He's not. I'm just saying that uh, younger than just, us is it, all. I mean, yeah, just younger had than the everybody. While he was fact, that, 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 that's like us. the most uh, people I suppress or just don't don't think highly of, or suppress. in my past, Oprah. just young people. <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> young people, I just, I just I haven't treated kindly. Yeah, I'd love to marginalize <laughs> young people, and I marginalize young people because because they're so damn smart. Yeah, and I just go, I, uh, I go so, old man young uh, playing really basketball at the Baptist Church against them. I yeah, I play tough defense, so. <laughs> anyway, it was a great. It was a, well, Frankie, why don't you tell people about the BC Club? No, Frankie. Frankie's not allowed to talk. He, yeah, he's got a long time before he's allowed to really. Yeah, talk. good lord, Joey, you almost made it. I, I believe the track in that time. That's good. I'm, Thank you, Frankie. <laughs> well, everybody, if you like this podcast and you are interested in taking another step forward in not only listening but also participating in what we're trying to do, and that is. World Takeover. World Takeover starts with the BC Club, in which you go to thebcclub.com and you are immediately thrusted into enriched community of brothers and sisters in the Lord. Some atheists, some people that are going to hell, some people that are going to heaven, some people that will be annihilated. And you. 
You get to be in that community Facebook later, page. You will also be able to acquire more here. material from yours truly. I am on an extra podcast that we will send your ass every single week. And I'm telling you, it just feels so good to be a part of something that is really sparking some change. Join the BC Club, the BC Club. If you are still listening to this episode, you are an idiot. (laughs) 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 Well, anyway, we do thank you, BC Clubbers, and I would like to read some names. Oh, you do? Of folks that have joined us in the very recent months or recent weeks, to be frank with you. (laughs) Our first person is Frank. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Toby, you got some sins on this? I I, I do have them. All right, Colin Fowler uh, watches the intro and the intro music on Netflix and, and never skips it. Never skips the theme song. Taylor Skaggs. Has butt breath. <laughs> Joyce Morton. Says Joey's her pastor. <laughs> Their pastor. Spencer Burgers. Joyce is a couple. They're Josh and Joy. They've been a long time clubbers. I know, but it's spelled I know Joyce. they're a couple. They put on their names together. Joy and Josh. Joyce Martin. Morton. I know who they are, too. No, you don't. You're not Zeke. Pa- <laughs> yeah, I You're do. You're not a good pastor. She's hot, and so is he. God They're both in hot. heaven. Yeah, she's... she's Lord, just God move on. That's exactly what a sick pastor would say. Um, yeah, I had on I had on uh, Dan Koch's co-host of Depolarize on Pastor With No Answers to talk with the pastor about the Billy Graham rule, and at the end of the episode, I told both of those... Uh, guys, that I would need the Billy Graham rule with both wow. of them because they're both hot. And Zeke Zelly uh, scratches his armpits Toby? and smells it. All right, the BC Club. Thank you guys. And uh, Matt, why don't you take us? No, Toby, do you have a blessing for us? Can you bless the, those of us who? Um, there's many people out there that still feel Y'all like still listening. Are you being a heterosexual? Nobody's listening. Being a heterosexual is the only way. Can you do a blessing for them, Joey? I just uh, I, if I did that blessing, it would just be for you. <laughs> yeah, I, my analytics show clearly that there are only four people left, and I think they fell asleep. So <laughs> goodbye, goodbye, <laughs> podcast world. <laughs> <laughs>